Whether you have a skin interest, a skin query, a skin trauma, or skin disease, I warmly welcome you to Heal Thy Skin, a podcast brought to you by Derm Health Co. I'm Marnie, dermal clinician, dermoscopist, and your podcast host. Skin is deeper than beauty, and our mission is to build the largest platform of specialized practitioners focused on skin health and skin empowerment. Join me each week where we go deep into the skin and beyond to hear stories and education from leading practitioners on a journey of skin health. This podcast episode is proudly brought to you by Dermalist. Dermalist create powerful, ethical, and luxurious skincare with a focus on reducing inflammation in the skin. Inflammation is the root cause of many skin concerns, including premature aging, redness, pigmentation, and acne. Purchase online or at approved stockists. Hello, welcome to the Heal Thy Skin podcast. I'm Marnie, your host, and today I'm speaking with Stephanie Miller, founder of Dermalist Skincare an Australian company at the cutting edge of the cosmeceutical industry. Steph has worked in the skincare industry for more than 19 years as both a trainer and an educator within the industry. And after many, many years of planning and perfecting the range, she launched Dermalist, uh, which was launched into the Australian market in October 2019. And it has revolutionized the skincare routines of thousands of Australian women with their range of luxurious, powerful, and ethical skincare. Today, we are talking about inflammation within the skin and also the different aspects of inflammation, whether it's intrinsic or intrinsic. There are a myriad of skin conditions that can be directly or indirectly linked with inflammation. And we take a deep dive into the exact causes of inflammation and skincare ingredients that are known to combat and reduce inflammation with the skin and as a result improve the health of your skin as well. I started by asking Stephanie what she thought was the biggest misconception about inflammation. I think the biggest misconception is that it actually doesn't affect absolutely every process in the skin and probably almost every skin condition. In fact, Harvard Medical School has stated that chronic inflammation, uncontrolled chronic inflammation, is actually the common causative factor in almost every disease. And, you know, if you think about it, that being true, then it wouldn't be the same for almost every skin condition. So, you know, like we know acute inflammation is actually a protective mechanism but when inflammation becomes sort of chronic with no off switch as they say it actually can become detrimental to the body and skin in fact I I talk about this and about a year ago I think 2019 there was a clinical trial called Cantos and that actually came to its end to to its conclusion and it was undertaken with I think more than about 10,000 people participants in the world in over probably about 38 or 39 countries Uh, The primary aim of this Cantor study was actually to identify the effects of this anti-inflammatory drug on the cardiovascular system. 
And interestingly, the second purpose or the secondary purpose was to actually view its effects on, I would say, seemingly unrelated illnesses. And we're talking about arthritis, psoriasis, even gout and Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's was one of them that was one of those unrelated sort of illnesses. Uh, things like depression, skin cancer, and really, you know, all the pathophysiologic processes, its effects on that. And really, the important thing to note here is the results are actually undeniable. They had a demonstrated beneficial effect on each disorder with using this anti-inflammatory drug and a pronounced rate of reduction in a 70% reduction in the mortality rate of lung cancer patients. So when you're thinking about this anti-inflammatory drug, right, that's doing all these wonderful things for all these unrelated diseases and disorders, that overarching question then becomes, how does an anti-inflammatory drug sort of have so many significant effects on so many unconnected diseases? And really, it's not surprising, Marnina, like if we think about it, we can see there's well-documented evidence from numerous respected clinical studies all over the world that's stating that inflammation is the common causative factor in at least, I think, if not all diseases, all non-communicable sort of age-related ailments of the body. And they call this silent inflammation. And because this chronic inflammation, it's just uniformly damaging to, I believe, all the systems in our body. If you do interfere with inflammation and you do reduce it, you can actually improve the state of not just the disease and the disorder, but also your health. So I feel like this is the discovery that has potentially the potential really to transform healthcare. But also if you think about it, skincare, because we are in the skincare game, right? So if we understand this, I think we can then to start to treat the underlying causes of skin dysfunction rather than just, I think, focusing on the symptoms, which is what we have tended to do over the years. I think using a largely symptomatic treatment approach has actually been that traditional philosophy of skincare, probably, I think, for the past 40 years, right? But there's something new and it's reliable science that I believe tells us that we're approaching skin concerns. Really, we need to from a, cause, from a causal and symptomatic approach. And that will give us a more sort of complete and effective method of treating the skin. Wow, how fascinating. And it's really so simple. <laughs> You know, the elixir of longevity, perhaps. Your interest in inflammation, as well as the absolute excitement in your voice, it's not new to you. It stems back two decades. Talk us through your journey and your research into inflammation in general. Oh, goodness. Well, sadly, very sadly, my dad, my father passed away from cancer when I was 18 years old. And my sister was about 12 at the time. And, you know, when my sister was born, I was, I thought she was, my mum made her specifically for me. <laughs> so I thought, you know, it was a present for me when she came home with her. But I've been protective of her since she was born. But obviously, when, you know, my father passing away had a very big impact on me and I became even more protective of her because she was so young. I felt like she was almost my daughter and you know, I'd take her to school and, you know, I had a car and things like that. But over the years, she really did become my best friend and I love her so much. I love her to death. And so I was completely shat like Marnina beyond shattered for her when she was diagnosed with MS. And she was diagnosed at the age of around 21, but she started showing symptoms at about 16. 
So, yeah. And she was in, she was incorrectly diagnosed, believe it or not. She went to the doctor and said, look, I have a numb face. I have all these symptoms. Do I have MS? And he pretty much laughed at her and said, no, no, it's stress from school. So, you know, cut to t- at 21 and, you know, she's in the hospital doing tests because they thought she had a brain tumour. So it was all very traumatic. But when she started treatment, she had very severe adverse effects to the medication. So she decided she got Graves' disease from the medication and she decided, look, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be on medication. So, of course, at that point, I started going, okay, I was very concerned. I said, oh, look, I'm going to start researching other methods here of improving, I would say, her overall health. If I couldn't improve the MS, I thought at least I can give, make her really super healthy so she can deal with it. And that's when I really discovered the link between autoimmune diseases and inflammation. So again, 20 years ago, and then I discovered moreover the deeply damaging of chronic uncontrolled inflammation in the body. And then at the same time, I started in this industry and in clinical practice, I was noticing this increased inflammatory and autoimmune conditions coming through and, and also patients presenting with autoimmune disease. I don't know if it was because I was no, I. I knew about autoimmune disease and I was just noticing it more, you know, your reticular activating system, you know, kicking in and noticing all these. But even my therapist was saying, there's just a lot of inflammatory conditions and a lot of autoimmune conditions. So the more I researched, the more I believe I understood that there was a deep overarching effect that chronic inflammation can have on really every single process within the body and skin. So this was, as I said, three or four times, 20 years ago, no one was talking about the effects of inflammation on the skin and all those extrinsic and intrinsic factors we now know are involved in the stimulation of uh, inflammatory processes in the skin. So when I was teaching, very few people sort of understood when I was talking about the influence of the gut and hormones and the environment around us on this inflammation. And I was trying to teach it. And I think I was more often than not, I was met with this lack of understanding, but also a bit of apprehension when I was uh, trying to talk about it (laughs) in combination, because we're all very just clinically minded at, at the time, you know, treatment focused. So I think the biggest reassurance now I'd say is that so many people are now understanding this connection and it's becoming so much easier to explain and really moreover implement change because as we know, people can then start to know the knowledge, but by the time the knowledge is known, accepted, and then the implementation of change does take quite a while, but I can see that people are really now ready to accept and also add anti-inflammatory practices into their treatment approach and their lifestyle as well. And yeah, I suppose, you know, that's where my research and knowledge began. I would say through necessity and that deep desire to help my sister in any way I could, as well as my patients. Yeah. And you're so right in clinical practice. We're so symptoms focused. It's always very Mm. diagnostic. It's Mm. always medicalizing things. And yes, we can treat the symptom, but often we either don't have the know-how or there may not have been the research to understand actually why this is occurring and mm. going right back to the seed of the problem and, and trying to combat it from that inflammatory perspective. Steph, what are some of the mm. clinical signs of inflammation within the skin? Uh, clinical signs. Okay, well, firstly, there's actually two types of inflammation. So there's acute inflammation and then there's chronic inflammation, right? So obviously with acute inflammation, for example, as therapists in some treatments can actually see clinical signs of inflammation, which would be erythema and edema. And in many cases, we actually know that we've reached our clinical endpoint at that stage. And this type of inflammation can actually be very beneficial because it stimulates healing processes within the skin. 
and it can lead to the production of, you know, we know collagen, elastin, and also when using that correct modality, acute inflammation or acute heat can actually target and decrease conditions such as, and I'm careful to say this, epidermal non-hormonal pigmentation and other conditions as well. So both acute and chronic inflammation can present I believe in the skin in many ways, the more obvious ones really are, you know, redness, rosacea, telangiectasia, psoriasis, you know, and other various types of, I would say, inflammatory skin lesions. But the less obvious or well-known effects, I think are, you know, we know them probably as therapists, but the general public probably won't know. It's acne, pigmentation, and, you know, aging, among other things. Those are actually the clinical signs of inflammation within the skin. So I suppose if we take acne as an example, if you remove inflammation from the process, acne just wouldn't exist. You may have, yes, skin congestion, blackheads or whiteheads, but you actually wouldn't have that active acne because acne is a fundamentally inflammatory condition. And, you know, most of us know, but in many cases, hormones can actually signal the receptors within that epithelial lining of the pore, triggering what we call preclinical inflammation. So it's silent inflammation. We can't see this is before the event happens, right? Before the acne happens. And this preclinical inflammation creates the ideal environment for P acnes to thrive. So you think about it, we've got low oxygen from the swelling of the lining in combination with this inflammatory, I would say, <laughs> I like to say warm environment because I picture, you know, the P acnes in there, you know, getting all warm and cozy. Basically, these are the ideal conditions for the proliferation of that P acnes. And in normal circumstances, Marnina, we know P acnes actually forms a really beneficial and protective part of our skin microbiota and truly without that presence of inflammation it exists on the skin without causing any harm at all and as therapists we know I believe many clients don't actually know it but that acquired hypo and hypopigmentation is also caused by, by inflammation in most cases in fact if we actually need proof of this we can see it in photography using during polarized light examinations of the skin I think when we look at say melasma under these conditions, we can actually see a direct correlation between the patterns of melasma and the patterns of increased, I would say, vasculature or inflammation. They completely correspond. So I suppose the short answer is that there are so many varied clinical signs of inflammation in the skin. But the most important thing I would say is to actually be aware of the fact that inflammation is the, the underlying cause of almost all of those skin concerns. And then we can actually go from there treating the concern from a causality perspective rather than just a symptomatic approach. Yes, this is just music to my ears. So many different clinical signs. And as you mentioned, inflammation will be seen in so many different ways. It's not just in oedema. It can be in increased vasculature, etc. So yes. it's important to note that it doesn't all look the same, but we know that eventually, chronically, it can have similar effects. So we know some of the things that it looks like. What are the causes specifically for skin? What is the mechanism behind it? Oh. So honestly, there are actually several pathways to inflammation within the skin. So the pathways are really intrinsic and extrinsic. So I suppose let's look at the more relevant ones, which are the extrinsic factors. When you're looking at it, I thought to simplify the process, I think, you know, you're looking at actually two main external pathways that inflammation is actually introduced into the skin. Uh, the first one, we it's very commonly known, it's UVA, UVB, right? And, and IR radiation or heat. 
So that is being out in the sun or having some kind of direct heat. The second is actually, which is really part of the first, environmental factors. But we're talking about other environmental factors like smoking or indoor and outdoor pollutants. I think even toxins and chemicals, but also if you think about it, Marnina, topically applied substances as well. So, you know, that could include skincare and so forth. But you could also add in food and such, but I think we'll probably talk about food and, and so forth later on. But both these external factors lead to a thing called ROS and most of us know ROS is reactive oxygen species which we know leads to oxidative stress okay so oxidative stress then causes DNA damage protein damage and also some of us don't know but lipid degradation and that's very important to know. But then ROS also leads to the activation of, of what we call MAPK. So these are mitogen activated protein kinase. These actually lead to an induction of MMPs, right? So MMPs are a specific, and there's a lot of talk about them, but they're specific enzymes, matrix metalloproteinase enzymes. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about them because, it, rightly so, because they, these things actually, these enzymes actually break down the proteins that create collagen in the skin and when you break this down collagen we know this obviously is going to lead to premature aging and i would say furthermore ros actually leads to a thing called telomere attrition and this is actually the shortening of the telomeres and if you think about telomeres you know people talk about telomeres but what they actually are is protective caps if you will at the ends of our chromosomes and these caps protect the chromosome from fraying and becoming damaged and when they become damaged, this can actually really severely impact and limit the number of times that our cells can divide, right? Mitosis. So apart from the activation of ROS, which is one, environmental factors can actually activate AHR. Okay, so many of us have heard about ROS and AHR and AHR is, you know, aryl hydrocarbon receptor. And this is really interesting because the aryl hydrocarbon receptor directly affects the activation of melanogenesis. So this is a direct effect. It's not a causal down the pathway effect. This is directly activating melanogenesis, which obviously causes pigmentation. But then we come full circle because AHR also causes the induction of MMPs. So both ROS and AHR trigger off MMPs. So look, obviously there are so many other factors involved, but this is just a really basic snapshot of a small part, I believe, of what is occurring when it comes to, I would say, extrinsically triggered inflammation and then the damage it can cause to our DNA and in turn our cellular function. So if you remember those two things, ROS and AHR, that then you'll sort of know what those triggers are. Mm, and how they affect just so many things within our skin. Let's talk inflammaging, which you've already talked about a little bit, but this was a term that was first spoken about in about 2000 in a study where they were looking at um, different types of aging and how yes. inflammation plays such an important role in our aging process for not just yes. our skin, but many bodily processes as well. Sure. What else do we know about it? And yeah. <sighs> I love that you followed up with that question. Like that's, 
the, the, you know, the, the, it just, it flows on so nicely because we actually can now, I suppose, delve into some of those intrinsic factors that I sort of ignored before that actually cause this sort of chronic uncontrolled inflammation within the body, but also the skin. So if you think about it, let's take it back. We're all born with some, you know, with genetic predispositions and that can, I believe it can make us intrinsically, I would say, susceptible to producing chronic inflammation in the body. And many of those conditions that some of them are, I would say, either hormonally driven or some are autoimmune related. And really our genes can and do, I believe in many cases, determine the circumstances of our health, right? But there are also so many other factors at play here, Marnina. And one of the main ones is actually epigenetics. And again, this circles back from intrinsic, from an intrinsic discussion to an extrinsic discussion again, because we actually can't do much about those genes that we're born with, but we can do something about regulating and I suppose mitigating an epigenetic response in those genes. And I think we can do this sort of by looking at the extrinsic factors that we can control, which are really a big one is stress, internal stress and external stressors as well, pollution, Things like nutrient deficiency and even a certain viruses and bacteria can, can play a big part of it as well. But less commonly known, also visceral fat can play a huge part in triggering off, you know, the epigenetic response and inflammation responses. And why is that? I believe that, and I've studied and I found out that it's it's all sort of comes back to a few things. And one of them is mitochondrial dysfunction. So we all know mitochondria is the powerhouse of our cell, right? We hear this term all the time and rightly so because when a cell has low energy, meaning that it doesn't actually produce ATP correctly, so that's adenosine triphosphate, and that's due to basically oxygen displacement within the cell. So it's displaced by nitric oxide. What happens when oxygen is displaced by nitric oxide is oxidative stress right? So we know oxidative stress, we hear it all the time. This is just so impactful because it actually, what it happens inside our bodies is when we have oxidative stress, it causes an, an activation of these things called inflammasomes. And that really leads to a thing called cellular senescence, right? Cellular senescence is something that I've been studying for so many years and I was became obsessed with. You should read Dr. David Sinclair's book on search when genes and slowing down aging because it's fascinating. But basically our cellular senescence is a fancy way of saying cellular old age, right? So you've got rather than cells going through this process of, of apoptosis, which is cell death, they start to age. And this can lead to, really can lead to mutations and ultimately inflammation. This is actually inflammaging um, at its core. Basically, cell senescence or cell old age, rather than rather than having healthy and timely cell mitosis, which is birth, and then apoptosis, which is cell death. It might sound bad, you know, we're wanting to promote cell death, but it's actually really it's important because this is the way it should be to keep us health sort of useful and healthy. Old and damaged cells should be quickly replaced by healthy new ones. That's actually what happens in young or healthy people. So cell birth mitosis and apoptosis, that process is very important. And when that doesn't happen correctly, cells begin to age, they get old, they get DNA damage and they don't function properly and they get affected by inflammation. So all those factors, we, we talked about visceral fat and pollution and so forth, can and also viruses and bacteria that can all lead to those epigenetic alterations within the cells. 
and those lead to inflammation. But then on top of that, you've got all of this process happening, but on top of that, you've got to add antibiotics to the mix and you're going to add, you know, certain inflammatory or chemically treated foods, right? And then you can get changes in gut microbiome and permeability and then again leads to inflammation. And you have so many factors such as really chronic infections. And right now, I think it's very timely with what's happening with COVID, you know, because chronic infections can also have this, cause this inflammatory response and intrinsic immune cell defects, I believe, along with this autoimmunity dysfunction can lead to inflammation as well. So there are really many ways of interfering with inflammation, uh, probably too many to go into today, but I believe that I personally believe, and, you know, there are many other people that that hold this in high regard as well is choosing i choose non-gmo foods chemical free foods you know anti-inflammatory foods things that are unrefined and unpackaged i believe that can play a huge part in affecting inflammation levels within the body and also carefully selecting the topical substances you put on your skin you know and i believe household chemicals as well and also you know checking out your environment and lifestyle that's a huge factor for me Mm, There's lots of things that we can do. And I agree too many things to launch into just one podcast, but let's talk about skincare. What are some of your favorite ingredients in reducing inflammation and how do these work? (laughs) Ah, this is my favorite subject. Um, (laughs) So basically basically, there's, there's so many anti-inflammatory ingredients, Manina, like, you know, it's like a it's like a kid in a candy store. You can use them both topically and you can use, you can also ingest them in the form of supplements. You would know that very well, you know, in terms of supplementation. I think the point is that we need to be selecting the right ones to include in our skincare. We're specifically talking about skincare and that actually work in symbiosis with the other selected ingredients in the formulation, right? Because it's all about that symbiosis and having a balanced approach to formulation. And things that selecting ingredients that actually work on the correct affected inflammatory pathway as well. One of the overall, I would say, favorites of mine is a remarkable ingredient called Tephrosia purpurea seed extract. And this one is so outstanding because it actually has the capability of reducing cortisol levels in the skin by up to 70% within two hours of application, which is just mind-blowing. And we, I suppose we know, we all know cortisol is the predominant stress stress hormone, which causes inflammation in the body and the skin. So lowering this hormone in the skin, it significantly reduces the inflammation and skin stress, right? But another benefit of this just truly outstanding ingredient is it actually activates a calm and natural calming neuropeptides, peptide in the skin. And that, what it does is it gives your complexion this relaxed and radiant sort of, we call it holiday-like glow that you can only really get, you know, those photos that you take on holiday and you're like, why do I look so hot? <laughs> why do I look so good? You know, relaxed, um, yeah, relaxed. Yes. Yes. It's the, it's the glow of relaxed skin and relaxed and people want to keep treating, you know, treat the skin concern, treat the, treat the symptoms, treat all of that. But what we don't understand is beautiful skin actually is relaxed skin. And that glow can only come from truly, uh, I believe, healthy, happy, relaxed skin. So I think it's really important to remember also that dosing is extremely important because, you know, we can talk about anti-inflammatories and so forth. But what we need to understand is that dosing plays a huge part in this because let's take vitamin c for example in the correct dose yes it's an incredible antioxidant however in large monotherapy 
megadose, sorry, monotherapy, it can actually become a pro-oxidant. So this is actually known as a biphasic response. So when we study science, we, we learn about, you know, hormesis and that's what the biphasic response is. And that's when a large amount of a certain substance can actually cause inhibition or even destruction within a cell. And a lower amount of that substance can actually cause stimulation and be beneficial. And you would know as well, Marnina, because you're you know you're a therapist, uh, that this principle happens in low-level laser therapy. And this is why I'm obsessed with low-level laser therapy, right? Because it also, if you, if you think about it, it also has a deep effect on ROS as well and, and bringing back that nitric oxide uh, oxygen balance to the cell and mitochondria. But basically, it happens with ingredients as well. So this biphasic response happens with vitamin C in the fact that vitamin C in big, large doses can actually become a pro-oxidant. So dosing is very important and getting your, I suppose, your ingredients to work symbiotically is really important as well. Wow, so many things. I'm just so loving many, this. I'm just loving this conversation. I would like to talk a little bit about antioxidants. You mentioned ROS before, which is we know can be quite detrimental to the skin. And we know that antioxidants can help to combat and fight this. Mm. And we have covered antioxidants a little bit in the podcast before. However, I would really love to hear what are antioxidants on you know, the lowest level and Mm. what is a free radical? How does this actually work? If you can give us a visual image, that would be absolutely fantastic because I think sometimes antioxidants, we know they're good, but they can still elude us because they're often Mm. not talked about what they actually do and how they fight free radicals. Sure. Look, the important thing to understand about antioxidants as well is that there's lots of studies right now saying that antioxidants in, in high, high doses, so that can be the vitamin C, that you need to be careful when using them. They're best used in a multi-therapy approach in low or correct doses in combination with each other. So when you combine a whole bunch of antioxidants together in lower doses or in more effective treatment doses, that's when they're more the most effective, right? But actually what they do, I suppose, let's do a really simple overview. It, it, the process is really simple and complicated at the same time. The process of oxidative stress, because that's what, what it actually is, happens. it happens when an oxygen molecule, so if you picture this oxygen molecule, it actually splits, it can split into two single atoms, right? When that happens, you've actually got, as you, I think, mentioned before, you get unrepaired electrons, right? So these unrepaired electrons, these are the things that are known to be free radicals. So you've actually got these molecules floating around without without an electron or impaired electrons, right? So these are free radicals. They become really unstable. When, When a molecule loses its electron, it becomes very, very energetic in looking to replace this lost electron, right? And whilst it's being energetic looking for this other electron, it actually is causing damage and injury to other cells. So what antioxidants do is they come in and those antioxidant molecules, they actually don't become unstable if they lose an electron. 
So they happily, they happily donate their electrons to these unstable free radicals, right? So when an electron is then donated, the molecule returns to normal function. It stops being damaging and energetic because it's, it's returned to its normal functional state. So it's really as simple uh, and as complicated as that, really. But obviously there's much more to the oxidative st- stress process than just the free radical component. When processes actually start to go wrong within the function of the cell, for example, the mitochondria starts to make, as we talked about before, more nitric oxides. And when, when it makes more nitric oxide, it competitively displaces that oxygen molecule and interferes with the ATP production. But in a nutshell, that's sort of how antioxidants sort of work. Again, being careful not to overdose on some antioxidants as well, because they can have a big reverse effect. Thank you for that. Does that really... give you a good picture? Absolutely. <laughs> that succinct answer, exactly what I was looking for. Thank you. So Steph, let's kind of fast forward. So it was 20 years ago from some tragic events that really threw you into the research oh. phase of inflammation. But jump forward, you've been in clinical practice and now in really cosmeceutical skincare. Talk mm. to us about how you've applied your deep knowledge of inflammation and its effect on the mm. skin in formulating the dermalist range. Right. I actually think it's all of my experience, not just specifically the experience that I've had with inflammation, that collective experience and also I like, I have to give credit to the collective experience of all the professionals that I have around me because they've informed all of my decisions when I was actually creating those formulations. And way back when you were one of the ones that, you know, met me when I was, you know, first conceiving of this idea. So you know how many people that I had around me supporting me with the trials. But really, if I think about it, my skincare philosophy is actually about combining both the causative and symptomatic approach to treating skin using multi-therapy because that's what I do with modalities. That's what I teach. You know, multi-therapy is always the best, most complete way of treating a skin concern because I understand that one modality or one ingredient on its own can't actually provide that complete or holistic result. So when formulating, it's, and I am a cosmetic formulator, I I will be a qualified chemist formulator uh, in about eight months or so. But knowing all of the science behind it as well, when formulating, it's about balance and, and really about symbiosis. And I believe healing. So what I'm trying to achieve with skincare is healthy skin and by definition healthy skin is actually free from skin concerns but more importantly it's actually beautiful and radiant so I believe I know this is probably an interesting concept for most people but I actually believe that the absence of skin concerns doesn't automatically mean that the skin has a beautiful healthy attractive appearance I believe it also has to do a lot with skin stress inflammation um, and and also cellular function And as we talked about before, cellular senescence and communication, which is cellular old age. So when formulating, I had to choose the right types of anti-inflammatory ingredients. They need to be used in the correct doses. And it's actually quite difficult to formulate a true multifunctional product because there are so many different ingredients that need to work together in so many variables. It actually required many years of testing and trialing, not just getting the most scientifically, of course, um, reliable information and data available, but this testing and trialing, because you can't, when you actually choose an ingredient and a manufacturer, obviously we source everything from the highest quality manufacturers, uh, they tell you what side effects are and what 
the correlation is between that and other sort of ingredients and how you can use it. But really, when you combine so many ingredients together, it's hard to know what the effects are going to be without that trialing it yourself and testing it for an extended period of time. And I believe that that balance and symbiosis and, the, and really the treating from a causal perspective is why we're seeing extraordinary results that are being sent through us every day and being reported by clients. I feel like it seems really complicated, but when you love what you do and you know, Manina, because you love what you do as well, everything is just so exciting when you do it. And the work that you put into it is completely worth it. And seeing those changes in people's skin and lives as a result, yeah, it just makes all those years of work and study, it just makes it completely worthwhile. Yeah, when you're seeing such incredible results for people that haven't used skincare really ever in their That's lives right. and then to see these changes happen before your eyes when using quite a, you know, just three products is mm. really quite incredible. Actually, sorry. I love that. I'm so sorry. I know I'm a, I'm a chatterbox, but I love that you just said using the three products because, you know, it's hard to understand the concept of, you know, having these three products. And obviously we are releasing more products in the future, but the reason we released three products initially is because we really wanted to push and hone in on that concept of multifunctionality and a condensed, concentrated range and the fact that it is possible to concentrate skincare now using science. So, yes, we will be introducing other products to the range, but all the products that we introduce are all going to be multifunctional. In fact, we have a clinical-only range coming out that's only going to be, I mean, all of our products are cosmeceuticals and should be treated as such because they are quite highly active, but we are going to be introducing a clinical version of our products very soon that can only be used by specific skin health professionals and can't be sold via you know online or so forth at all but you know people there's a there is a misunderstanding that that you know simple to use skincare is basic and it's and in this case in some cases it is but in this case it's not simple to use skincare it's condensed skincare that is simple to use <laughs> so by no means does it uh, mean that the results aren't dramatic and that we're not using powerful really high amounts of active ingredients to treat the skin with comp with very very complicated and sophisticated formulas as well mm, fantastic differentiation between simple skincare and then a condensed simple routine i guess mm. steph what do you see in the future of inflammation and I guess skin health in general oh, a dermalist but also just out there in the industry that's a beautiful question I think that there's still a lot of change in the industry that needs to happen and I believe in the next five to ten years we're going to see dramatic changes in the industry already you know we've been out for eight months just in uh, in skincare alone we've seen you know people start to use and you know borrow our term multifunctional <laughs> our, our competitors out there are starting to do that you know but it's important to understand that true multifunctionality isn't just about having a few different ingredients in your product it's about actually understanding the skin and treating it from a causal approach because if you do that you will treat skin health rather than the symptoms but I think that is going to that is spilling over onto everything that we do you know when I go to dermatology conferences they're starting to now even talk about this global approach to skincare or to treating skin even in surgery in dermatology they're understanding that 
monotherapy isn't the answer. It's multi-therapy that needs to be utilised and combined to get that more complete approach. And we are seeing advancements in skincare and treatment uh, technologies and I believe that traditional beauty therapy has its place of course because we need to control stress in the skin and that therapeutic touch from therapists is so important in reducing cortisol levels you can't replace that with modalities but more and more modalities are starting to take the place of traditional beauty therapy so I believe that in the future we're going to see a shift more to using modalities seeing more condensed skincare ranges rather than you know 40 to 60 products skincare companies are going to have to adapt because people like me are going to come along and say hey there is a different way of doing this we don't have to be stuck in the model of you know the 1940s skincare we can do things differently and still you know, be profitable and still make revenue. And I understand that there's, you know, strong marketing pluses to having multiple products in a range. But if you understand that clients only really buy an average of an, uh, one skincare product each, if you can up that to three skincare products and treat all the skin concerns and have really a really happy raving fan of a client, you'll actually increase your sales if you simplify your routine because clients will not be so confused and just walk away with one product. So I feel like that's the way we're going. And also with inflammation, we're going to see more inflammation-based modalities. There's science coming out there with regards to, you know, there's so many studies regarding, you know, how to live a long and healthy life and extend age, extend your lifespan healthily into well into your hundreds. And that's all by lowering inflammation levels. I think we're going to see a lot more low-level laser in the future as well. So stay tuned. (laughs) Yes. So many exciting things on the horizon. Many things have been around for a while, but it's just really nice to, for it to have the spotlight shone on it, because I think as humans, we tend to overcomplicate things and Mm. it's now time to go back to being more simple and having things that are really formulated in a scientific way with the clinical evidence, of course, but to not overcomplicate things. Mm, I think so. (laughs) It's been so nice talking to you today. I could actually sit here and talk to you all day. (laughs) You too, Steph. You too. Well, where can people find more about you, your life's work and Dermalist? Oh, go to Dermalist.com to find out about more about Dermalist. You can, we've got Instagram Dermalist. I've also just recently started my own Instagram because I've always been behind the scenes, of course, but I've just recently started my own Instagram as well, which is Stephanie Miller Skin. And just send us DMs. I get so many DMs and I love talking to my my clients. I, I'm obsessed with people and I'm obsessed with clients. And so anything I can do to help people, I get a real thrill and kick out of that. So just reach out, ask us questions. If you want to um, think about taking on the range, you know, you can, you know, we're very flexible. We're an agile company. When you, you know, we take feedback on board and we grow our range and our brand, you know, based on what you would like as well. Don't forget, you know, I I am a a formulator as well. So, you know, I take that feedback on board. We listen, you know, how we made this range is listening to everybody and getting everyone's feedback and putting what they wanted in skincare into this brand. So we encourage interaction and for everyone to reach out. Fantastic. Well, all of those links will be in the show notes for anyone wanting to reach out. Thank you so much, Steph, for your time today. It was an absolute pleasure. Yes, same. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. It was just, it was so much fun.
What a brilliant conversation. I absolutely love speaking with Steph and everything she said was music to my ears um, because she just explained the extreme complexity of inflammation within our skin and all the different effects that it has and also the importance of getting to the root cause of a skin concern or a condition rather than just treating the symptoms, which is often, or it can be really important, of course, if something is really uncomfortable or painful or itchy. However, we must look deeper. We must look at what the cause is and we must um, develop our understanding of skin and skin conditions to really get to this root uh, cause of skin conditions because we'll get much better results. If you loved listening to this episode, then I would absolutely appreciate if you would share it with someone that may be experiencing inflammation within their body, an inflammatory skin condition, or someone with a skin interest. Until next week, be skin powered. This podcast episode is proudly brought to you by Dermalist. Dermalist create powerful, ethical, and luxurious skincare with a focus on reducing inflammation in the skin. Inflammation is the root cause of many skin concerns, including premature aging, redness, pigmentation, and acne. Purchase online or at approved stockists.